never know. You never know what's going to happen, but opportunities are opportunities. And if you don't take it, somebody else will. And then, you know, you either did it or you don't. So that's why I just tell people, like, you either do it or you don't. And if you say no, uh, make sure it's for the right reasons. Hey, y'all, and welcome to Guild Stories, the podcast where every person has a story, and it's the stories that connect us all. I'm Justin Rickliffs, founder and CEO of Guild Content, husband of Brooke, and father of five young people. And I'm joined today by my lovely co-host, who happens to be my wife as well. Hey, guys, I'm Brooke, owner of Reclaim the Home, Justin's wife and mother of five. We're so grateful you're here. This podcast is a place where we'll explore the stories of hustlers, dreamers, and doers who are going for it by pursuing meaningful work and living life with purpose. Welcome to Guild Stories. So our guest today is a, well, I mean, let's put it frankly, he's just a badass. He's one of KC's top tattooers in the top tattoo shop in the city at Mercy Seat. He's a musician. He's an artist. He's a great conversationalist. He's a brilliant storyteller. Huge NBA fan. Correct. What else? What have we missed, man? Welcome to the show, Mikey Wheeler. Thank you. Thank you for having me. Of course, dude. It's a it's a it's a pleasure. So uh, introduce yourself to the audience and tell us uh, who you are, what you're up to these days, and uh, a little bit about yourself. Sure. Um, yeah, my name is Mikey Wheeler. Uh, I've been tattooing at the Mercy Seat in the Crossroads Art District for going on ten years now. Um, I'm originally from Kansas City. Moved to Columbia, Missouri about 1989, was like eight, nine years old, was out there for about 20 years, uh, started my tattoo apprenticeship out there, Nice. worked out there for several years, owned a shop uh, for a brief period of time, and then eventually decided it was time to come back to where I was from, be around my family again, and work in a different part of the industry, and uh, as you stated, like if I'm not doing tattoos, I'm probably writing music with a multiple groups of people it's kind of something that's been going on since i was 15 16 years old so um yeah it keeps me busy and i'm married to uh, an incredibly talented tattooer as well her name's megan uh, she works at the shop as well uh we do a lot of projects together um so she's kind of the other half as as you know like the, the better half <laughs> the better <laughs> speaking of the better half bro yeah. you want to kind of kick us off here with mikey sure yeah you told us a little bit about your background but um why don't you tell us how you got into tattooing? So that was like kind of an, an accident. Um, <laughs> I, typically uh, is, right? It is. Everything it typically is. Um, so I started to have an interest in getting tattooed myself around 11 or 12 because um, I started playing guitar at that point in time. And then I realized that all of these guitar players and musicians that I kind of idolized at the time, they all had tattoos, which, you know, back then was... There was a, a bit of a stigma still. I think that's pretty much all but gone now, totally. um, for better or for worse. Uh, um, so early on, I was like, oh, I want tattoos. I've been an artist of some sort since I was about three or four years old is when I started drawing. So the art element kind of played into it. But I was like, I want to look like these guitar players <laughs> that I think are cool. And um, around 15, I started bugging my mom about it. And she she was supportive of the idea. She, she saw that making sense. But she was like, that's cool, but you're 15. <laughs> no <laughs> not yet um, not yet so every year after that on my birthday I was like eh and she's like nah so by the time I was 17 I guess I had good enough grades and I'd actually been like working jobs up to, like my mom was a single mother so when I wasn't in school mm -hmm. I was working jobs trying to help uh pay bills around the house and help her out she's like well you've kept a job you've been fired your grades aren't terrible so but when I was 17 <laughs> she took me to get my first tattoo because she, she had to sign on it I was a minor right um and I, there's certain 
<laughs> even at Mercy Seat, we won't let minors get tattooed even with a parental signature. So that was a little yeah. looser back then. There's a lot of reasons for that. Sure. Um, but yeah, I started getting tattooed. And uh, was, sorry to interrupt. You. Oh, sure. What was your first tattoo? Um, I've got these little skeletons playing horns. It's like a little skeleton awesome. jazz band on my arm. So you're a junior in high school in Columbia, <laughs> Missouri in like the late 90s and you look like Macaulay Culkin and you show up with like a tattoo. Everybody's just kind of like, Those skeletons what? nonetheless. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> I was, everybody was kind of, they just didn't know what to think. You know, it was not common back then. It's more common now, but it, I was, I was different. Trendsetter. And yeah, yeah, something, something. I was onto something <laughs> weird. Um, but long story short, uh, a guy from California moved to Columbia with his family and opened a shop downtown near the Subway sandwich shop I was working at at the time. And he would come in and I'd, you know, feed him lunch every day. And he noticed I had a few tattoos and he was like, Hey, uh, you got some nice work. You look like you're 12. Like how, how long have you been doing? Um, basically he's like, I'd like to tattoo you sometime if, if, if you want to get tattooed by somebody else. I was like, yeah, I'll collect from different people. So I started getting tattooed by him and he kind of eventually asked me like, so like, what, what do you do? What's your thing? It's like, well, I'm, I'm an artist, I guess. I draw a lot. I like comic books. Like I draw comic book characters, like pushing my glasses up, um, <laughs> play music, whatever. He's like, well, I'd, I'd really like to see your drawings. I want to see what you do. It's like, well, I don't have like a portfolio or anything like that. Just kind of bits and pieces, scraps of things here and there. He's like, well, next time you come in and get tattooed, bring some stuff with you. So I put together <clears throat> some semblance of a portfolio and brought it to him just because like kind of nervous somebody asked to see my work before and you know it was it wasn't very structured at that point in time I didn't have any formal training it's just kind of what I'd like picked up from yeah. being a kid and my, my family's a bunch of artists and stuff like that so he took a look at it and then offered me an apprenticeship like the day I showed him everything it's kind of like yeah and a part of it was he was trying to build his own clientele sure. it's a it's new amazing. shop he knew just from like playing in bands and stuff that i i knew a fair share of people and maybe like bringing me in would kind of bring some of the local youth into the shop as well so he offered me an apprenticeship and i started you know was 17 18 18 years old started That's a tattoo awesome. apprenticeship so just after finishing high school cool wow. yeah that's great what a cool story so first tattoo was of your own was the the jazz band sure. what was the first tattoo you gave uh the first tattoo i did on a human <laughs> as opposed to what, Wait, what as opposed to a grapefruit <laughs> oh, gotcha. that's a thing you tattoo really grapefruit yeah mm. uh, amongst other things but that's the uh the, the initial challenge when working with the equipment when getting to understand how a tattoo machine works i should uh, this is an educational moment uh, Absolutely. tattoo machines are not called guns that's for anybody that's listening, um, <laughs> it's called a machine. Um, but once you're getting used to using <clears throat> the equipment, you start with the grapefruit because you know it's contoured, it's not flat. Uh, the huh. exterior rind of it actually holds a line pretty well, interesting for the most part. And does it feel the same as flesh? No, no, it doesn't. Um, but it does have pores, and um, you you just get the challenge of <clears throat> using this new equipment on an object that's not like pencil on scream paper. At you. Yeah, yeah. Ex exactly. Yeah, <laughs> something that's not not gonna be too upset with you if you if you ruin it you can just throw it in the trash um you don't want to eat it afterwards so it goes in the trash but uh the first tattoo i did on a person was myself so that's really? and it's relatively is that common, common? okay it's pretty common yeah. um i've got a big sacred heart which is kind of like a traditional um catholic subject matter um seen in a lot of paintings and stuff like that uh so it's this big heart with a flame coming out of it with a banner across it that says grandma 
Nice. Um, so I, I did that for my grandma. Um, so I could then <clears throat> at Thanksgiving dinner show her that I gave myself a giant grandma tattoo on my own leg. And she was like, sort of not amused, but, but still kind of touched at the same time. She, she didn't disapprove, but so it was myself. And the, the point is like, you, if you can tattoo yourself and focus well enough to like accomplish a tattoo on yourself while you're inflicting pain on yourself, you should in theory be able to like do so on somebody else. So cool. Yeah, that's so the cool. idea. That's so cool. So, so tell us, you know, in terms of you came, you were KC, Columbia, back to KC. Yeah. When you came back to KC, did you land? Tell us about Mercy Seat and tell us kind of, you were, yeah, I'd like to tell you before, like you were in the crossroads before the crossroads was cool. The shop for yeah. sure. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah, yeah. So tell us about that. And the shop is what brought me back, um, Mercy Seat specifically. Uh, so when I was still in Columbia, um, my, my friend, Scott Schickman, who I've known for going on 20 years now, is a really, really dear friend of mine. He was living at, in St. Louis at the time and was coming and doing guest spots at our shop in Columbia, um, trying to get outside of his own market and do what tattooers do. And, uh, I met him that way. He tattooed me a bunch. Um, you know, we got to be really good friends there. And then he eventually moved to Kansas city and I kind of lost touch with him for a couple of years. And he eventually reached out to me. This is probably on MySpace if the uh, <laughs> dates, the conversation <laughs> at all. Um, and he was like, Hey man, I haven't seen you for a while. It'd be great to catch up. I'm at this amazing shop in Kansas city. Now I know you're from here and you still have family here. You should come, come visit me. And you know, if next time you come out to see your family or whatever. So I did, I kind of took a weekend and went and caught up with my old friend and he basically let me hang out at the, at the shop for like a weekend and meet everybody and just kind of be there. And he introduced me to everybody. I don't know that there was any intention for me to like work there per se, but, um, I, I did, I hung out there for like a weekend and kind of like felt it out and saw what they were doing there. And at this point I had owned the shop in Columbia for a couple of years and that was a, it was a great experience, but I found that that early on in my career while I was, still trying to be better at tattooing, mm. become better at, yeah, absolutely. And just be better at it. Um, mm. I wasn't that great at it when I first started, um, at all. <laughs> um, <laughs> but there, uh, so much focus went into the running the business that I sure. felt like I, I was suffering where I really needed to be growing. So, uh, I saw this awesome place in Kansas city and I went back home after that weekend and basically told everyone I was leaving. Um, and then I, I gave the shop to, my friend Gabe, the next wow. guy in line, because I actually inherited the shop. I did, uh, the guy who apprenticed me passed it on to me because he eventually had to move back to California. So he's like, this is your shop now. Ran it for a couple of years. And then when it was time for me to leave, I, I then kind of returned the favor and gave it to the next guy. And he still owns it to this day. He's Gabe done a, does. Gabe incredible. does. He's done an incredible job with it. It's a large, beautiful shop in downtown Columbia, Missouri. Definitely like the premier tattoo shop in the entire central Missouri area. Like, That's awesome. yeah, it's, it's a great shop. And for a while there, even after I moved out to Kansas city to work at mercy seat, I would still go back and work there for like a week at a time, like quarterly just to keep up with my clientele there and hang out with my old friends. But I eventually got kind of so busy out here that wasn't really practical anymore. So yeah, I still pop in and say hi every once in a while, but I'm mostly here. I don't travel and tattoo very often anymore. Yeah, that's awesome. Yeah. Our personal connection to Mercy Seed's interesting, and uh, um, I don't know, Brooke, do you want to tell the story around how what what took place on your wrist? Yeah, I got my <laughs> first and only tattoo at Mercy Seat after dinner with friends one night. Um, I'd been thinking about it for a while, knew what I wanted, but 
Mm-hmm. It was pretty impromptu. We were just like, well, let's go. Sure. Had a great experience. Great. It was it was it was so wonderful and I don't remember, was it Jason? Jason. Jason. Yep. Yeah. Sure. Jason tattooed me. I think actually your wife was there at the time. So I awesome. got to see her and see some of her work. She was amazing. And then I think I popped in on Justin's while you were scabbing him all up. Oh, okay. <laughs> yeah, absolutely. <laughs> yeah. So, so my story tattoo wise is when, when I was 18, not 17, but when I was 18, a buddy of, of mine and I, he's in Columbia. We, um, we went and got matching Jesus fish, ichthus, right? Sure. On, our, on our shoulder. And he's, he was like buff, full back, like linebacker dude was all ripped up. And I'm like this scrawny wide receiver, you know? And so, so mine looked not nearly as manly and tough as he, his did. So I had that like solo kind of fish thing uh, for, well, really until um, we were 35, mid thirties, Brooke got her wrist done at mercy seat. And I was like, dude, this place is cool. It, it, it has this like neat vibe. It's not, um, you know, it's it's clean, it's friendly, it's professional, it's like super cool, right? And so Brooke had her wrist done, and then I went back and saw Jason and got this little. There's a lowercase b on my inside wrist, which stands. It's it's a it's a little piece of uh, drawing that Brooke did, and it stands for Brooke. Um, and and the point of my rambling story is it it gets me to this kind of thread around the crossroads where, you know, Jason's sitting there, got the toothpick in his mouth, and he's talking to me about and and hit this thing took. 12 seconds, right? Like it right. took no time, but he told this story around. He's like, man, when, when we first, and I don't know if he was there from the beginning, but he was, okay, yeah, cool. Absolutely. Um, so he's like, dude, when we first opened the doors at mercy seat, the, the, the phrase that I remember always is he said at that time there was desperation in the streets. And, and I always thought that was like a fascinating phrase of like, what, what's that? what that mean? What was that like? And, and now, you know, Crossroads is so hip and cool and expensive and all those other things. Like, what was it like then? It was a wasteland. Um, and this is, you know, s- kind of secondhand information because I was not there at the beginning. Um, but from what I understand, uh, when, yeah, when they built, chose to build the shop there, there was nothing there. Mm-hmm. People didn't go down there. I mean, mm-hmm. this is like pre-Power and Light District. Yeah, uh, yeah. The... <laughs> a lot of like the beautiful interior of the mercy seat is like basically recycled materials from buildings that were torn down to build the sprint center. Um, I mean, it's, it's recycled history, Mm. uh, put into that shop, which is why when you walk in and there's like kind of just this sense of like, this place is ancient. It's because it's original material. Um, it's not repurposed like a reef, you know, refab or whatever you want to call it. It, it's like the stuff you go to archi- architectural salvage and spend $2 million to put into a shop, but that stuff would have just been thrown away. Um, so they, they found a place where they wanted to do this and there was, yeah, it, people hadn't been down there for a while. In fact, I, from what I understand, it was relatively dangerous like mm-hmm. at night and stuff like that. Um, and then piece by piece, like the surrounding area started to develop around it. And 10 years later is what you see now. Mm. Um, and that, that happens in places. Um, sometimes it backfires and it doesn't work. Um, but they got in there like at, at ground zero and so then cool. just watched this, this new part of the city like Grow come back. Them. Yeah, it's, yeah. it's crazy. Um, and like the only <laughs> Susie around the corner that owns the deli, she's like the only one that's been there longer than us. I don't know. Like if she just like woke up there one day. She's like, <laughs> I, I work here now. Um, it's so weird to imagine her like opening her little shop down there, like in the middle of nothing, but she's still there. Um, but it is, it's, it's kind of like this, 
mecca of all of these progressive like art things obviously led to the first Friday events that, that happened during the warm season. And, uh, we have our own events at the shop that correspond used to correspond with first Fridays. We just this year switched to second Saturdays cool because the first Friday traffic and logistics, especially with all the construction downtown made it difficult for people to, uh, attend and for the bands to like, you know, load their stuff in and, and be able to perform for us and, all the moving parts. So we have kind of our own weekend for that now, but we, for the first uh, 13 years did first Friday events as well. So that's awesome. So you mentioned band. So maybe our audience doesn't know this, but beyond the tattoo piece, you're in a band, you write music, you do your thing. You actually performed at the first Friday events, but now the second Saturday. Sure. Tell us about your band. Um, so like I'm, I'm usually in a couple different projects. Uh, I would definitely like define them as passion projects. I mean, they were never intended to be like, what if I do this for a living? Um, I always had a pretty like realistic concept of what it would be to actually try to make it as a musician. In my twenties, I, I toured a lot and recorded albums regularly and kind of was looking into that a little bit and decided it probably wasn't for me. But um, yeah, still I, I make a lot of music now uh, for the past couple years. I've been in an instrumental thrash metal thing with with old friends from columbia i still go to columbia almost every week to practice with my bandmates um i've been in multiple iterations of bands with these individuals over the past 15 years but everybody in this current band i've been working with for at least 10 years uh my buddy paul almost 20 years now and this is like the fourth or fifth project it always turns into something else and something else. And it's called Vonkar. Um, and we will actually be performing October 12th at the season finale of our second Saturday events for this season. So we'll be out there with uh, Inner Alter and a new band called Crisis Actor. So that'll, that'll be a really fun show. So everybody that's listening, uh, free food. Get there. October free 12th. Beer, free bands. It's loud. It's loud and it's fun. And it's outside. Um and then you guys I, still do it in the little alley, kind of behind? We are. Okay, cool. Everything cool, cool. happens in the alley behind the shop. Um, we just run a bunch of sound and lights and set up beer, and we cook and barbecue, and everyone just shows up. We usually get a couple hundred people every time we do it, and people hang out in the alley. People hang out around the shop. You got bands, the three bands every single event. Uh, everybody eats and drinks and has fun, and it's it's so always cool. free. Everything's free. It's just a, kind of something we do for our friends, for our community, um, and it's it's a lot of fun for sure. And uh, I've got another project that's going to kind of start showing up here probably next year. Something I've been working on with my my friend Mike over the past several years. We've almost have a full length album recorded that he and I Whoa. did just the two of us. So we recorded all the instruments and all the vocals and everything on it um one of the tracks features julia hale from um you know local kansas city fame so uh we're we're figuring out how to put that together in a live format um but there's always something that's kind of like the other half of what keeps me sane you know absolutely yeah what what instruments do you play man Okay, um, I've been playing guitar. This is a long since, list, right? Yeah, I've been playing guitar <laughs> since I was eleven. So that was that was the first thing I got into. And a funny story, like initially I wanted to play saxophone because huh. my oldest brother played saxophone, and I was like, you know, you, you idolize him. You idolize your older brother. Um, he was he was cooler than me, like by far. Um, he, he was Jamie's six years older. Um, okay. so you've been playing saxophone, and 
It's like, man, that seems really cool. So like when it came time for me to decide what instrument I was going to take on 10, 11 years old, I'm talking to Jamie about it. And he's like, you know what? You need to play guitar. I was like, what do you, what? He's been playing guitar for like a year. He's like, it's way more fun. I was like, <laughs> That's awesome. oh man, I was like thinking I was going to be like this horn player and like play jazz. I'm growing up at my house. I got a tattoo yeah, on my I arm about jazz, jazz man on my arm. <laughs> I'm listening right. to like Thelonious Monk and Miles Davis with my mom every day of my life. Now you're telling me I'm going to be a guitar player? Okay, I guess. So I pick up a guitar and start figuring that out. And that's what kind of led to my interest in rock music and then metal and progressive rock. My mom also listened to like a lot of like Yes and, you know, classic rocks, a lot of prog and stuff like that. So then I was like, oh, that's kind of like jazz with electric guitars. I get it. So (laughs) there was a transition there. And eventually, obviously, you turn 14, 15, you get into punk rock. This is like, I have an attitude now. And I... We're flannel. Yeah, and, blah, blah, blah. Yeah. and I'm gonna dye my hair green and um all the all the things you do when you're a kid and you're just bored. Um, but you relate to it and more so it's easy to play. <laughs> you know. My first band was a punk band. I was like, I can play these songs. I barely that's know awesome. how to play guitar, so I'm gonna do this and that's gonna be what I'm into. And then when I am tired of this, it's gonna turn into something else. So it's uh, guitar's always been there. Um I play bass a little bit of piano. Um, I taught myself how to play drums to play drums in a previous iteration of the current band. This is a band called Coward, which is like an instrumental kind of progressive uh, rock thing. Hard to kind of describe, but that band had to... You're kind of hard to describe, let's be honest. Uh, Hard to describe. Um, It's it's funny. It's like you talk about all this stuff, but it's just, you know, to me, it's just like, well... What do I do today? Today's Tuesday. So what am I going to do today? And then there's a Wednesday. So I'll teach myself to play drums today. Yeah, exactly. And and that really just came from like I initially played guitar in that band. It was guitar player, electric organ player, uh, bass player, and drummer. And we were coming across a group of songs where like I was approaching the guitar parts and I felt like I wasn't contributing anything. Um, And this happens to musicians. Like you kind of find yourself in a position and it's just a phase. Like and it happens kind of like on and off. Where you're just like, well, that's fine, but it's like um, this. This isn't important. What I'm doing mm-hmm. here in this context isn't important because there was so much dynamic between the bass and the electric organ. I was like, I'm not. This isn't adding anything. So we had these like random pieces of drums just sitting around the practice space. So I li- I grabbed a bunch of random pieces of drums and put them up against our other drummer's kit and made one giant drum kit that I sat across from him on, and that became a thing. So from that point forward, half our songs I play guitar on. The ones that didn't need guitar, we had two drummers. That's and that awesome. was just kind of the format of that band. So um, just whatever. Like in the new stuff I'm doing with Mike, uh, he's the lead vocalist. He's a, he's the principal songwriter. He's an amazing songwriter. Mm-hmm. Just one of those people that understands hooks and he, he, he writes great music. Um, so the recordings that we're doing, he does the vocals and rhythm guitar and a little piano. And I've been recording everything else. I do all the drums, all the bass, all the other guitar parts, backing vocals just to see what it's like to try to take yeah. on that kind of workload and what you can kind of do from station to station. And it's, just, it's fun to explore. We have the opportunity and the convenience of like this studio and this great producer, Joel, that we've been working with. And it's just a lot of fun. We go in for a day and see what we can knock out. And it's, it's a cool thing to do on a day off. Yeah. <laughs> a day off, which yeah. you don't have many of. So no. you, you've, you've clearly established yourself as like top tier expert tattooer. Fair, okay. <laughs> which, which I think you know, from a from a true like capitalist or market perspective, I think the market would would dict would show that. I mean, sure. How, how long are you like booked out? 
Uh, currently, I'm I'm working on February and March of next year. Um, that would be further out. Um, as we discussed a little prior to, uh, I, I have finally put a hold on booking new appointments for a couple months, really around a, a trip that my wife and I went on. We do these annual, uh, month long road trips. So that's kind of like the other side of all this. I, we work for like 11 months, like uh, obsessively, and then we completely disconnect and leave for like four weeks. So we go, yeah, it's, and it's, I, I know it's not everyone's in position to do it. We don't have children right now. So it's like, I almost feel like guilty even saying that out <laughs> loud around a, you know, a, a family that has so much going on. And I feel ridiculous talking about how busy I am around two parents that have so much going on, but that's what we do to kind of, uh, ground ourselves again. Yeah. Cause you know, the, the job itself, tattooing it, you know, it's full time and Megan is thoroughly booked, highly requested custom artist as well. So our job is tattooing, all day, every day while we're at the shop. Mm. Um, but you've got to like, you have to invent your work that you're mm. going to do at some point in time. So we have homework. So, you know, our job doesn't get turned off when we go home. We're, we're waking up early in the morning and, and drawing our appointments. We're staying up late at night and drawing our appointments because we don't have time to do it at the shop. We're tattooing at the shop. So you got to find a place to actually physically come up with the thing you're going to do for your client. Um, but the point is like, we had this trip coming up and I was getting further and further out and I was like, okay, I'm just going to finally like draw the line in the sand. Um, so a month prior to us leaving, I kind of stopped taking new appointments and new consultations. It's really about the consultations because you're finding spots in between and around your tattoo appointments to bring in and meet new people and discuss the projects that they're inquiring about. And, uh, I needed to put a, a temporary hold on that and that hold uh, expire September 1st. Nice. And that's where I start getting back to the people that uh, have reached out to me. And I was like, September 1st, uh, we'll talk, talk about that. it. Yeah. So I've got a list and then they'll start, they'll take care of February and it'll get into March and then April. So at any given time, it's like eight to 10 months. It's crazy, man. Yeah, so so I think the, the market has said, okay, Mikey's a really kick-ass tattooer. I think the music would display like Mikey's super talented at creating music, playing instruments, being nimble, being an entrepreneur in a lot of, a lot of ways, right? And then tell us about like this kind of, you know, and, and you and Megan are living life on purpose. You're doing cool stuff. You're unplugging. You're being intentional. Tell us about this like other art stuff where either restaurants or like there's this whole fascinating other side of you that's, you know, not. Doesn't get on display as often. Yeah, sure. Yeah, for sure. Tell us about that. Um at some point, we started getting asked to do, uh, like, yeah, these side projects. That's the best way I could describe it. Um, it started with uh, another really dear friend and, and longtime loyal client of mine, Patrick Ryan. He owns Port Fonda. Um, it's a pretty, pretty successful local yeah. Mexican restaurant. Um, incredible incredible food, incredible, like, the business, incredible yep. product. Uh, Patrick is another man that you guys should consider talking to someday because he's a very deliberate person. Love it. Um, so when he decided to open the Westport Port Fonda, uh, we move it from the food truck. It started out as a like Airstream trailer and eventually he was like, okay, I'm going to have a store now. Um, he basically like brought me on to do a bunch of artwork on the interior of the restaurant. So if you go in there, there's these like large, like polished concrete pillars that kind of like are all around the, the dining room like support pillars. And he was like, I want you to draw on those. I was like, you want me to draw on your 
business? Like what? <laughs> so I went in there and kind of like looked around and tried to figure out what medium I'm going to be doing this in. Try like there was like a piece of concrete back in the kitchen that I was experimenting on and trying different like materials on. It's like, how do I want to go about doing this? Not a so, grapefruit. Not a grapefruit. Okay, cool. <laughs> Polished concrete. It turns out is like there's not a whole lot of options as far as like so it came down to Sharpie. Really? Sharp, Sharpie marker. Um it's very very easy to work with. Uh will adhere to virtually huh. anything. Doesn't wipe off. Doesn't exactly. I know that. Yeah, yeah, yeah I bet you do. <laughs> I bet you do. I'll be a Sharpie all over your couch. Um so yeah, basically we decided on a theme. He very much likes traditional tattooing and kind of the old styles and stuff like that. And he completely let me loose. He had no requirements other than like kind of Western themes. That's that very much suits him. We do a lot of that kind of tattooing on him. And I basically just came up with a whole bunch of designs. Um, most of them kind of derived from the Sailor Jerry era of traditional Western tattooing, mm -hmm. like kind of redrawings of those. And I actually applied them to the concrete the exact same way we apply tattoos with Thermofax stencil. Um, that was another experiment. So I was like, I was, I was like, I got to get this stencil up here. Like, how's this going to work? So I literally burned copies. Like, it's the exact same paper we put on human skin and took them in there. And I was able to saturate the surface with, like, a wet towel and well enough to basically, like, kind of just press this Thermofax stencil up against the concrete. And when I pulled it off, it wasn't a perfect stencil, but I could see it. And then I just did it by hand with, with Sharpie markers. So That's for insane. the first, like six months that that place was open <laughs> i would just go in there after work until like two o'clock in the morning and literally be like standing on the benches while people are eating like drawing on the concrete <laughs> and they're just like bringing me drinks and uh did that until they closed and That's then i awesome. went home and went to work the next morning and i was like on evenings that i could i'd go over there and draw on his business how long did it take uh, I, th I think I, I spent about six months to a year doing that. And then there's a big banner that's over the bar. Uh, there's like a javelina in the middle and it says Port Fonda, like food and drink or something of that nature. Um, that's the only thing that was actually drawn outside of the business and then turned into like a, basically like a, a permanent kind of stencil thing. Um, a giant decal, if you will. And that was actually placed. Um, I didn't do that like physically on there. I drew it smaller and it was kind of reproduced but so it started with that and then he opened the lawrence port fonda like you know the business was successful enough that he was able to open this the store in lawrence and then megan and i were hired to do window graphics for the entire restaurant awesome. which is was like a city block so <laughs> he actually just started with a couple windows he's like it'd just be cool like if we and then after a couple <laughs> windows he's like yeah, he's like, oh, yeah, the, if now it feels keep... like these windows need it. And by the end, we like done every bit of glass in the entire building. And all of that was drawn in our home studio. Um, okay. Also with Sharpie, um, we, we got vellum, which is essentially like a really dexterous, uh, really high grade tracing paper, more or less, but kind of more like plastic. And we came up with all the designs in our home studio and we'd lay them out and size them and uh, just do it all with two different line weights of Sharpie. And then that similarly was then like vectorized and sent to a business that made these like window decals that and they were then installed. So wild. all that happened for the Port Fonda business. And then that leads to another thing. So after, after that um, architecture company from Chicago, um, basically came in and decided they were going to do the Crossroads Hotel, mm. um, which is, 
I, I don't know if you guys have had the opportunity to visit the Crossroads Hotel, but it's a beautiful place and they've done an incredible job with it. And this company does this sort of thing in markets all over the country. Um, so they bought up a couple of the old Pendergast buildings in, in the deep crossroads, the buildings that had otherwise been pretty much abandoned and turned them into these amazing, immaculate, like very, very tasteful, like modern industrial projects. And, uh, Megan and I were contacted, I believe, through our work with Port Fonda and the work mm. we had done there by these scouts that were coming to town because their whole their whole thing that they want to do with these projects, they, they're trying to incorporate as much local sure. art into them as possible down to like the throw pillows on the couches and like as many people as they can bring in from the local area to help kind Super of like smart. give the place. Yeah, it's brilliant. Everything yeah. they do is brilliant brilliant they're wonderful people incredibly hospitable they just have the right attitude mm. about if you're going to do anything they know how to do it the right way and they reached out to us and they're like okay we're gonna have like 300 something guest rooms uh we need we need custom wallpaper so megan and i sat down and put together uh this kind of like this mural um that would accommodate like a 40 foot length or something like that. We did this all in her procreate program on her iPad. Uh, and the idea was we'd have this stock length of mural and for each of the rooms, they could go in and just take a piece of it out and use that specific chunk of this mural for the entryway. It was like a foyer of each room has this wallpaper in it. So now, uh, yeah, all the guest rooms have some art we did on our, on our, laptop for lack of a better term <laughs> um so it, and after that lazia the restaurant that's attached to the building which is delicious they've really great italian restaurant they the brunch is incredible on sunday if you ever want to go f somewhere for brunch on a sunday they were like well we got this menu we really want like a custom piece of art for the menu so they sent me this picture of basically pinnergast and lazia so lazia okay who the restaurant is named after and <clears throat> i'm not going to get too far into pendergast but if you want to look oh, yeah. him up uh people people know a thing or two about that guy so he he needed a guy to take care of things for him i'm just gonna leave it at that got that, it that's lazia well lazia was his guy that solved his problems and they're going to name their restaurant after this dude which wow makes me smile every time i say that out loud <laughs> um so they sent me this photograph of these two gentlemen sitting around like laughing over putting somebody over her. um and <laughs> they're like I, yeah who, who knows right um and i sat down and pulled together a micron rendering of this photograph and kind Crazy. of like did all the shading and cross hatching and stuff and that's on the cover of their menu so just like these little things one thing leads to another to yeah. another and it's like uh i'm not doing anything next thursday night I, i'll do that <laughs> then and you email it to them and then it shows up on a menu you know like so, so there's cool. all these opportunities and in a city like this if you kind of keep saying yes to things and just catches fire. Yeah. And I don't know what I'm doing. <laughs> Neither do we. Yeah. That's the best part. Yeah. Right. That's exactly right. Like we're all in the same boat. You just like either do it or you don't. Right. Yeah. And if you say no, somebody else will do it and that's fine. But anything that I feel like we might have the opportunity to learn something from mm -hmm. and it just kind of is just another thing. It's like, okay, maybe we can do that. 
Um, and then there was a sneaker project I did for all the people down at Pendulum, which is another local architecture firm. Cool. Um, Jonathan decided he needed a custom painted pair of Air Jordans for his own collection. So. Who wouldn't? Right. So <laughs> I f- had to figure out how to do that um, so I can paint shoes if you guys need some shoes painted. Dude, in. Yeah. Right now we're chilling on side projects. Good, I'm, good, good. Yeah, I'm well, good. but it's fascinating because I, I think you hit on something that that we certainly talk about a lot is, yeah, like money's cool, whatever. Like success in this in the sense of making a paycheck. Like we all got to eat, right? But but shifting this concept concept from just this career chase money thing to like, hey, we're doing projects that matter and that have significance and that impact our city or our families or our team, whatever it is, right? Like, did you experience any of that? Like, as you kind of built your tattoo business and as you've had some success, like, were there any, I guess, bumps in the road that you're going, dude, maybe this isn't as fulfilling and and I need to shift my mindset or I need to alter my expectations or something like that? Sure. Um, so, I, like, my wife and I talk a, about that a lot and she's she's a hugely motivating factor in my life because I can actually get pretty just hyper-focused on the job at hand. I'm a very like in the moment kind of guy and maybe not so much of like a big picture down the road kind of guy. Um, I'm very guilty of just, you know, really being just kind of like fully engaged in what's going on right now without a whole lot of thought to what's going on later. And uh, she's she's very forward thinking and is the type to kind of like really go, well, that's that's great. But what about this? Um, And I've been thinking about that a lot more lately. Um, I'm very, very satisfied with the work I do. I'm happy to do the work I do. I'm always happy to try new things, bring on new challenges and new opportunities and stuff like that. But. You know, there's, there's a lot of other things I'm interested in that I mm. don't do anything with. Mm. Um, you know, I keep talking to her all the time. Like, if I didn't do what I did now, I'd, I'd be working with animals for sure. Really? Absolutely. Um, I I have just kind of like this this passion when it comes to uh, something about being around animals. Like, I, f- I feel like a type of happy mm. instantly that doesn't just kind of randomly pop up in my, my day to day at work yeah. or whatever. It's, it's not that the stuff I do doesn't make me happy, but there's like a pure joy that comes from being around animals. And I'm very conflicted about that because I'm not a strict vegetarian. So oh. that's, it's a, it's a contradiction within myself that I'm not incredibly proud of, but <laughs> we have um, some kids like that. Yeah, right. Paradox. Yeah. Like crying Life's when they paradox. see cows in the fields, knowing they get, and then ham- we We're McDonald's, McDonald's. five yeah. guys, let's go. Absolutely, yeah. Yeah, yeah. absolutely. So that's that's a problem that I'm I'm, <laughs> I'm constantly wrestling through. Yeah. yeah, wrestling through. Um, it's it's kind of like a it's a thing, but um, I I could definitely see myself like working with animals in some context in the future. Um, my family's had horses my entire life. Um, they've just kind of always been around, and I did a a lot of work with my mom uh with with the family horses growing up, and Super just like cool. fell in love with horses. Uh just kind of like always wanted to be around them and, and like working with them, whether it was just grooming them or doing groundwork, just basic training. Uh, that was when I was like really like felt peaceful. And, uh, you know, I'm another contradiction. Like I love zoos and I'm very conflicted about it. Um, I, you know, when you go to a really nice zoo, uh, you don't feel as like depressed <laughs> yeah. and uh, upset for these animals. Like if you go to like the Omaha zoo or, uh, the Denver Zoo is a great zoo. Um, 
you know, it's, it's great to be able to observe animals mm. in relatively accurate habitats. And those zoos are great because they're, they're not isolated. They're with other members of, of their groups and they're, they're clearly uh, kind of living yeah. relatively normal lives. You can never say it's a normal life, but they're taken care of and they're given plenty of room and they're given the habitats and, and the friends to kind of like go about their daily business and they're protected and they're fed. Um, but for me, I just, I love, I love to observe kind mm. of ha- what's going on with these creatures. So, you know, I get old and retire and just like <laughs> take care of animals in a zoo and be perfectly content. Um, we'll see if that happens, but it's awesome uh, that, that I could, I could do that. That's awesome. It's yeah. awesome. Um, so we're, we're about out of time here with you, man. Cause I know you're a busy guy, oh, sure. but, um, just, you know, something that we, we always ask some friends is, Hey, if you were writing a book about your journey, what big takeaways would you encourage others with? Um, I kind of like talk to random people about this sometimes. Cause you get asked a lot by, by individuals about like, well, I want to, I think I want a tattoo. Like, how do I do that? Like, how do I get into tattooing? I'm like, Oh man. <laughs> um, <laughs> what it, do you say? It's, I'm curious. What do you say? How do you answer that? Well, that's, that specific question is difficult to answer now because it's really, really hard to get an apprenticeship now. It's huh. a very saturated market. When I got, you wouldn't get into it like I got into it now. No one's going to like offer some random kid an apprenticeship. It just wouldn't happen now. There's too many tattooers. Um, but if you're ambitious enough mm. and you're willing to work hard enough and do whatever it takes, mm. it, you can get in an apprenticeship and so far just with like a little guidance and a little encouragement, you know, I've, I've taken a, f- a few friends through the steps. I've never apprenticed somebody personally myself because mm-hmm. I know I'm too distracted and I'm, I'm too kind of like obsessed with my own work to sure. give somebody the attention they would deserve as an apprentice. I, I'm not in the position to do that, but I've kind of helped a couple people along the way who are now tattooing cool. um, through other means and through other people of, uh, kind of like friends is like, well, go talk to this person. Um, but really as, as far as like the, the, the nature of doing it, it's just like, you just have to want to work. And that's a really tricky thing nowadays. Um, again, I don't have kids and I don't know like the challenges with like, you know, kind of teaching, motivation. teaching motivation to your children and to younger people. Um, and I, I'm not going to sit here and like ramble about how it's different back in our day. I don't know that maybe it's the <laughs> same. Um, but there's people that kind of have trouble being motivated and kind of skate by and kind of get, get by with the bare minimum. And that's fine, but that's not going to get you what you want. Mm-hmm. It's not going to get you what makes you happy. Um, I, I sat around and watched my mom as a single mom, like work tirelessly, uh, multiple jobs, putting herself through school, raising us by herself. Um, I'm not sure she slept. I, I never saw her sleeping. Um, so I grew up watching that and watch, I watched what that can turn into if you care. And f- so when I was growing up and getting into work and getting into tattooing and getting into music, just doing the bare minimum wasn't an option. It was like, okay, that's not going to, like, I need to, if I put in half the work I watched this woman put in, like, my mm. entire life, maybe I'll make something of myself. Um, so she was an incredible influence on me. And awesome. so I tried to surround myself with the same types of people, the people that wanted it. Um, and, you know, and again, I'm a little obsessive. It kind of comes naturally to me. It's like, I love to work. Mm. I feel comfortable working almost to like a fault probably. 
like it, you know, our, our road trips that we go on these big, like unplug and go out and walk around in the woods for four weeks and drive around the country and see things you don't see every day. That's my wife. That, that was, I would she have almost forced it. I would have never done that yeah. my own. When, yeah. when we met I know someone like that who helps me. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> we are nothing without our wives. I'm going to oh, tell dude, you that right on. now. Um, Absolutely if, right. When we first met, I was working six days a week at the tattoo shop. And the one day I wasn't there was the band Traveling practice to to the day band. in Columbia. Yeah. Um, yeah. So for two years, I didn't have a day off. No one was telling me to do that. It just, that's just what I did. Mm-hmm. And I, I still remember like one day she was just like, so this whole like six days a week. And the one day is like, why do you do that? I was like, I don't, but I don't know. Like nobody's ever what asked else do me. I do? Ever, exactly. No <laughs> one's ever asked me that before. And it never occurred to me that that's not normal. Or, or even healthy, you know what I mean? So, uh, you know, it's a balanced thing. Mm. And that's that's the other, I guess, answer to your question. You need to naturally want to work and naturally want to progress, but you also need to, like, find the balance. Mm. And I had one of those things down. It took my wife to explain the other thing to me. So yeah. it's kind yeah. of just knowing how to appreciate both things. Because you, you, if you burn yourself out, you're not good to anybody. Totally. And it's almost like the the thing that propelled you to get to the height, right? That kind of 10,000 hours concept that yeah. Macklemore raps about. I think it's a Malcolm Gladwell concept, potentially. Sure, yeah. But that to become an expert, you have to put in 10,000 hours at whatever it is. Writing, mu- music, tattooing, banking, whatever it is. And But that, that thing that propels you to be the expert is then almost the very thing that could burn us down. Exactly. You know? And 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 at least for me, I wasn't even aware that, dude, my life's going to burn down until, yeah, same story for me. Yeah. My wife had to say, hey, Calm hey, bro, down. pay attention. <laughs> Slow down. Right. Calm down. <laughs> right. And it's super dangerous with artists and musicians because you, and not to say it's more so than other industries, yeah. but we I hear, think it probably is. We hear about it all the time, right? Yeah. And there's lifestyle stuff like mm. another part of that question like well mm. how do i do it well how about you s- go to sleep i mean i literally wrote it down the awesome. one thing that i've always done differently than most musicians and most mm. tattooers is like people that kind of get into those interests or those industries or those jobs or those habits there's there tends to be a lot of like partying that goes yeah. along with that a lot of socializing um and socializing is great um, but there's a lot of abuse mm. that people start to like inflict upon themselves in a, in a social scenario. And then eventually just to kind of perpetuate the, the motion that they've, they've started to keep it up. Um, so I, uh, I eat breakfast in the morning and then I go to work and then we come home and we cook dinner and then we go to sleep. <laughs> I go to sleep. Um, when I was on tour, it wasn't like where's the after party after the show. I was like, dude, it's one in the it's one in the morning. Where am I sleeping tonight? Like, yeah. go to sleep. Yeah. Like, don't you know? We go out and have fun on on occasion, uh, but be be real. Like, you know, people kill themselves trying to just like hold on to this like nightlife kind of thing. And uh, it's again balance. Like, yeah. take care of yourself. Exercise. Yeah. Like, eat eat something green yeah. you know, like yeah. every once in a while. Um, you can, be, you can have an alternative lifestyle and be into alternative things, but you don't have to like kill yourself over it. But, but in, isn't that so such wisdom, man, is that in the daily simple, what some people might even call boring things or activities, like actually produce such rich better results yeah Yeah. boring's great yeah (laughs) it really is and it's it's part of it it's part like everything fits together in this giant puzzle but if you don't have like 
the mundane things to keep you grounded, then you will spin out of control and that, that, that never ends well. We've and seen then it, it gives you the ability to say yes, right? If yeah. you do these disciplined, normal, boring, mundane, mundane things, stuff shows up. Yeah. People from Chicago say, hey, Mike, you, you create kick-ass stuff. We come do these custom wallpapers, right? Like if you were always chasing and chasing and chasing, you, you don't, you're not even aware enough to, to say yes to that stuff. Absolutely. It is. It's kind of just being self-aware and, and yeah, doing the little things. I'm all about the little things. I'm all about the daily things. I'm a creature of habit for sure. Again, maybe to a fault, but like it keeps me in the same place on a daily basis. So, so, so good. All right. We're about wrapped up here, but, um, one thing, if you, if today Mikey was writing a letter to 17-year-old Mikey getting that first tattoo with his mom, like, what what would the letter say? Um, <laughs> it would be like, what's going on with that haircut? <laughs> uh, like, I hope your acne gets better. <laughs> it does. You're going to be fine. Um, it, like, follow your instincts, you know? Mm. Like, uh if if I've ever done anything that I'm glad I did it like the the way I did it, it's just kind of like follow your instincts. Um, you know, I walked away from tattooing for two years. It almost never happened. Huh. Um, the guy that initially apprenticed me, uh, he moved back and forth a couple times, and he California he, guy. Yeah, yeah, he, yeah. He he left at one point and sold his shop to uh, another guy who who took on my apprenticeship because I was mm. already there. And he and I just didn't, it didn't work. It didn't mesh. So I, I walked away mm. and I was like, well, that's, I'm not doing that. And then guy came back two years later to wow. buy a shop back and came and found me. He's like, where did you go? I was like, I just couldn't do it with that guy. Wow. He's like, we need to try this again. So mm. my instinct at that time was, uh, I mean, I don't know, but it doesn't seem like a bad idea. <laughs> so, uh, I tried it again and now I've been tattooing for 16 years. Jeez, so no. you never know. You yeah. never know what's going to happen, but opportunities are opportunities. And if you don't take it, somebody else will. And then, you know, you either did it or you don't. So mm. that's why I just tell people like you mm. either do it or you don't. And if mm. you say no, uh, make sure it's for the right reasons. Yeah. You know, so good. Great. So good. Nice. All right. We end every show with, we call it the speed story closing. So we ask everybody the five same questions. So here we go. What's the last book you read? Okay. Admittedly, I have a bad habit of not reading physical literature, as I'm sure is a, an issue. Yeah, I, I think that's just kind of like a modern thing. However, on these road trips, there's plenty of time for audio books, which is like the same thing, right? You just let somebody else do the work for you. Dude, totally I counts. completely agree. So we, we finally dove into Game of Thrones, the book. Nice. Um, narrated by uh, a brilliant actor. His, his name is escaping me right now, but uh, it, it's just really cool to kind of like check out the original source material for something you've come to love in television form. We're not going to get into all the <laughs> season eight suck. Uh, I, I don't even necessarily feel that way, but that recently. And before that, I listened to Brian Cranston's autobiography. Nice. I'm a big Brian Cranston fan. And nice. that, that was very interesting. Love um, it. Yeah. Love it. All right, cool. Uh, what would you do right now? If you weren't afraid, jump out of an airplane. Boom. I love it. Megan's done it twice. I have a fear of heights. So cool. Yeah. <laughs> What's one thing that you do or some aspect about you that if people knew you did, they would think you're crazy or weird? Okay. I had to think about this a little bit, but I came up with something real good. So um, I love video games. I don't get to play them very much anymore because it's just like I'll be sitting there and be like, I, I should be doing something else. I can't leave myself alone. 
but I grew up playing video games. The original Nintendo. The original oh, yeah. one, the 8-bit. Um, I, I got a Nintendo when I was a child. I was still original, still living in Kansas City prior to moving to Columbia. So I get this thing in my house. I'm like, what is this? This is insane. And I'm playing this, this system for like days, like days and days and days. And eventually my mom walks over and looks down and she's like, what are you doing? I was like, what do you mean? She's like, you have the controller upside down. Shut up. So the original Nintendo, I picked up the controller upside down. Didn't even realize like the lettering was upside down. The cord is like facing me. And I learned how to play Nintendo backwards. Fascinating. And, it's the, and you still play that I, If I play an original Nintendo with that controller, I have to play it upside down. But I play every other system normal. Mind blown, dude. Like, so what, you, what is that? So how do you do the Contra? Like, up, down, up, down, left, right, left, right, BA, select, start. Everything, just intuitively. If I'm going <laughs> right, I need to go left, up, and, like, it's all backwards. And I just do it. It's fascinating. I can't even explain it. Of course you, of course of course, you play it right? backwards. Of course. That's my best answer for that question. <laughs> That's a great answer. Okay. All right, two more. If you could direct all the dollars in the universe to come to one charity or nonprofit, who would okay. that be and why? There is a charity a company um, out of Utah called the Best Friends Animal Society. Love it. Um, they do incredible work. Uh, from what I understand, they've managed to reduce the kill rate in shelters by mm. almost by like 90%, at Jeez. least in their own region. Um They've got their own, uh, it's called the Angel, Angel Canyon Sanctuary, where they, they constantly foster animals. They have like 1,600 animals there, um, and they're constantly doing work to take care of the animals that don't have people to take care for them. And Love it. they're it's really, really working on the, the no-kill, like yeah. that, you know, we have two dogs. They both came from Wayside Waves, mm. all about adopting, bringing in uh, rescues as opposed to getting like a puppy or something like that. Yep. Puppies are great for kids, but like there's animals out there that need yeah. homes. So love it. We'll yeah. link to all that in the show notes for sure. Please. Okay. Last one, my friend, where can folks follow along on your super interesting journey? Um, just like everyone else on planet earth right now, uh, the majority of the most uh, up-to-date information is on Instagram. Uh, uh, you know, it's Mikey Wheeler tattooer, T-A-T-T-O-O-E-R. We call ourselves tattooers. Tattoo artist is a bit of a, a redundant. It's kind of like saying like <laughs> photograph photographer. Like yeah. Yeah, um, so typically music yeah. musician. So it's Mikey Wheeler tattooer. Um, and I regularly post current tattoo work on there. Um, stuff from like our, our little travels. Uh, um, stuff about the music on occasion. Uh, I do have a website. It's called it's just MikeyWheeler.com. It's in the process of being rebuilt and relaunched in the near future. What's on there is uh, embarrassingly outdated, so it, it needs a revamp. But I, me and a friend are going to work on that here coming up pretty soon. So that's that's it. No, no Facebook. I've never been on Facebook. Um, MySpace? You're on MySpace. I'm probably still on MySpace. <laughs> I don't, how do you get on MySpace? I don't know. It's there, though. Yeah. It's but, awesome. Uh, that's, that's how you find me. Dude, you're the man. It was such a pleasure. Thank you so much for having me. We are we are out of time, and we didn't even get to talk NBA. So we'll have to c- have you back on. We'll bro. have an NBA podcast. I love it, dude. All right. Thanks, Mike. Thank you so much. All right, buddy. Thanks, y'all. We really appreciate you listening today. We know you have a ton of places where you can give your attention, so it means the world to us that you give us your time. If you'd be so kind, please leave us a review, ideally five stars, if you wouldn't mind, and subscribe to our show. And thank you to our guest, Mikey Wheeler. We hope you all found his story as amazing as we did. 
and a special treat as we leave the show today. You can listen to one of Mikey's songs here. It's one of my favorites from his album, Clean Living, called The Breakfast Boat, which is an interesting name. But I may walk one of our daughters down the aisle to this song. It's amazing. Until the next show, let your life tell a great story. Thanks for listening.